Welcome back. It's a Thursday, the 15th day of February, 2024. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and there's economic news today. There's booga-booga propaganda galore, and there's no shortage of hypocrisy, too. Let's start more or less with that and a story that I think sets the tone in a whole different way than some we've done of late. What are being called radical climate activists, some of us might just say diluted nutcases, have dumped some kind of a mysterious red powder on the Constitution for these United States in the rotunda of the National Archives, while the police, true to form, stood around and did nothing, allowing the vandalism to happen and then allowing the vandals to spew their propaganda unchecked. Imagine, though, if they'd been wearing MAGA hats. As Ashley Babbitt found out, they might have just killed him right there on the spot. But one thing's for sure, so far at least they're not being treated like the January 6th protesters who dared to protest an obviously stolen election and have been sent to the gulag for their uppityness without trial in many cases for, oh, coming up on a couple of years plus at this point. On then next to the economic meltdown front where U.S. retail sales plunged in January in what Zero Hedge and Tyler Durden said was the worst year-over-year growth since the COVID lockdowns. And as they noted, if the omniscient analysts at Bank of America are right this morning, the fecal matter is about to hit the rotating you-know-what as retail sales declined bigly, they say, more than expected, judging by January reports of real-time credit card spending data, down 0.8% month over month. And adjusting for alleged and certainly understated inflation, folks, which makes the real numbers actually worse than this, this was a huge drop in real retail sales, which have declined for 11 of the last 15 months. In other words, Americans just aren't buying more stuff. Maybe they can't help it. Maybe they can't afford to. Related item, an economic report. U.S. industrial production fell 0.1% month over month in January, dragging it down to being unchanged now year over year. And cold weather crushed mining output, which fell 2.3%, while the output of utilities, similarly, was juiced. They say jumping 6% as electric and natural gas utilities increased their output for that same reason. U.S. manufacturing output fell fully half a percent in January, dragging it down at 0.9% year over year. And here's a head-scratcher, arguably far better news, says Tyler Durden in this piece. We've been covering the full-on implosion of ESG. That's fascist speak like environmental, socialist und governmental, wokeness on steroids, and so-called green investing, they say, for the better part of the last six months. And today, the wreckage continues because megabank J.P. Morgan has officially left a $68 trillion investor-sick coalition that is, and here comes the quote, focused on pressing the world's biggest emitters of bogus so-called greenhouse gases to decarbonize, says Bloomberg. In other words, the anti-scientific idiotic fight to decarbonize is imploding, and that's good news. But the reasons here have to do with the head-scratcher. J.P. Morgan claimed they're leaving the Climate Action 100 Plus because it itself has made, quote, significant investments in developing its own climate risk engagement framework. I guess they think they can be stupid enough on their own. The bank claims to have 40 professionals now focused on sustainable investing. But Zero Hedge notes the damage to the Climate Action 100 Plus may only just be getting started. Lance Dial, a Boston-based partner at law firm K&L Gates LLP, told Bloomberg, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of these defections, especially given that there's now a cost, such as potential litigation, that wasn't there when companies joined. And your host can't help but observe that while they haven't yet reached the stature of a Bud Light-style meltdown... As people begin to freeze to death and starve, they may start figuring out who's been doing it to them. 
But for now, at least there are potential litigation costs, and attorneys general have begun to subpoena firms about their membership in these groups. Some of you may even remember that once upon a time, industry-wide and beyond anti-consumer collusion would have run afoul of things like antitrust laws. The Kool-Aid drinkers, however, and the politically correct investment crowd are saying things like this. J.P. Morgan pulling out matters because it sends the wrong, short-sighted signal and gives cover for others to do the same. And here's the hoping they'll figure it out and do precisely that. Because earlier this year, no zero hedge, and it's a good thing, ESG has started to become a dirty word on Wall Street. Turning into the foreign invasion front, and this too should probably come as no surprise, the long northern border with Canada is starting to see the same kind of increased Biden fuhrer activity that the southern border has, just not nearly to the same degree. While most people are focused on the invasion currently taking place on the southern border, says TGP, America's northern border is also under assault. Recent reports say that illegal crossers are attracted to the northern border, even though it's colder, because there are far few security staffers and Border Patrol agents. It doesn't get nearly as much media attention either, but it's still important. And latest reports say that well over 12,000 invaders were apprehended crossing the border from Canada into the once-free United States last year. And that's up by... Oh, not quite 400% or so year over year. Still, though, it's literally enough to staff hundreds of terror cells. From the too-little-too-late front, at least a bit of belated good news, Fannie Willis is done, says the Christina Lalofis from the Gateway Pundit, an evidentiary hearing about the alleged misconduct by Soros' own Fulton County DA Fannie Willis was underway on Thursday as the judge weighed whether or not Willis should be disqualified from the bogus Trump RICO case because the real RICO is being committed by those that are committing the lawfare. According to the Atlanta Urinal and Constipation, as the late Rush Limbaugh used to call it, Fannie Willis, quote, financially benefited, gee, do you think, from her romantic relationship with the top Trump prosecutor, Nathan Wade, who is now admitted under oath, as if that actually mattered anymore, that he paid for vacations with his business card and Fannie reimbursed him in cash for his expenses. And these scumbags are trying to claim Trump is a problem. And yes, speaking of scumbags, we have more next on the Capo de Tutte scumbags, George Soros, who not only has bought up a whole bunch of DAs, this year he has tried to scoop up 220 U.S. radio stations ahead of the next rigged election in 2024, buying a potentially controlling stake in America's second largest chain of influential radio stations. According to bankruptcy filings cited Wednesday in the New York Post and repeated by the New York Times, the Soros Fund Management has bought 400 million bucks worth of debt in the Odyssey chain, amounting to about 40% of Odyssey's debt at 50 cents on the dollar, giving them potentially effective control of the media giant when it emerges, and you can bet now that it will, from bankruptcy. And those close to the situation are noting that Mr. Soros is probably making the election year purchase in a bid to uh, ahem, influence public opinion. Gee, where are those RICO statutes and prosecutions when you really need them? From the racism, hypocrisy, and real bigotry writ large front, this piece, courtesy of the constitutional scholar, Professor Emeritus from Harvard, and uh, at least former, I could say at this point, leftist Jonathan Turley. It's certainly clear that he knows hypocrisy when he sees it. 
who writes about an embarrassing case for the far left anyway, out of the University of California, San Francisco, which is under fire, even from the left at this point, for hosting a truly racist, bigoted speaker who attacked white people, calling them psychopaths, and claiming that it's okay Black women can legally be raped, at least in white America. A conservative campus group posted clips from the event in which author Dante King lambasted the once-free United States and its institutions as racist and maintaining what he called a white rape culture. And this is from a leftist, remember, wrote Jonathan Turley. Just imagine if a speaker or a professor dared to give a lecture that called blacks psychopaths and said they were responsible for a rape culture. That university would almost certainly be quickly shut down in a campus-wide effort at condemnation and uh, so-called healing. But King's lecture was followed by applause from the sycophants that went to hear him. During the Black History Month event, continues Jonathan Turley, King delivered a lecture entitled, listen to this, Diagnosing Whiteness and Anti-Blackness, White Psychopathology, Collective Psychosis, and Trauma in America. And I can't help but think, what he is trying to do, folks, is turn white into the new N-word. And he literally said the following, this is a quote, Whites are psychopaths, and their behavior represents an underlying biological transmitted proclivity with roots deep in their evolutionary history. How's that for outright prejudice, maybe even incitement to violence? Seriously, can you imagine if any racist extremist of any other color dared to demonize any other racial group on the planet this way? Well, except, of course, for the new N-words, I guess. How many of you, this racist bigot continued, can see the proclivity that evolved deep within the evolutionary history of whiteness? And he keeps going on and on and on. But it looks to me, folks, like this guy somehow thinks that all whites are the equivalent of a George Soros or a Joe Biden. No, we're not all hair sniffers or genocidal maniacs. I can certainly sympathize with lots of people who don't care to be lumped together with evil and characterized by their skin color alone. And I would have said 20 or 30 years ago, this country had actually learned better than that. He even went on to say he's not worried about how whites in the audience might react because he doesn't give a damn about them. He does not value or prioritize their feelings or views. Quote, I'm not seeking agreement from white people at all, saying that he simply doesn't prioritize whiteness or white people in his work in any way. Turley notes that, sadly, this is not a new phenomenon. University of Rhode Island professor Eric Loomis last month defended the murder of a conservative protester, and he said he saw, quote, nothing wrong with such acts of violence. And I can forgive people for thinking, isn't this what hate speech laws were supposed to prohibit? Well, there you go, folks. That's a problem with idiots making law that are in contradiction to the Constitution and the scriptures besides. My greatest concern, concludes Professor Turley, is not that offensive views are being shared on campus. King, after all, should be protected by the concept of free speech, where a wide variety of viewpoints are supposed to be heard. <laughs> That's not what we have, obviously. Rather, he said, my concern is that such tolerance only seems to extend to those on the far left. It's not evidence of diversity, but instead the hypocrisy and orthodoxy of what is now laughably called higher education. But the real term, folks, is lower indoctrination. And as I've pointed out many times, this is literally negative education, the kind of thing that increases the stupid level of a people and society, and the kind of total crapola and falsehood that simply has to be unlearned before people can get back to being utterly blissfully ignorant. 
And finally, from what may be the propaganda front, or it may not, and admittedly, it's getting harder and harder to tell when the news media simply doesn't tell the truth to begin with, especially when it comes from the swamp, there's a whole lot of... uh hoo-ha about a February 9th launch of what was called the Cosmos 2575 mission, launched by Roscosmos using a Soyuz 2 rocket carrying what they referred to as an unknown payload into space for the Russian Ministry of Defense. Writes Hal Turner, among many commenting on this, it's pretty much a guarantee that our spy satellites and ground-based information gathering capabilities have kept close watch on whatever went up. The question is whether Congress, or especially the American people, are ever going to be told the truth. But based on our capacity for intel gathering, he says, it seems likely, now this is Hal Turner and his radio show again commenting, folks, that we now may have some idea about what it is. Five days later, we're being told there is some new destabilizing foreign military capability. What could it be? What could it be? Well, here's the case in point. The Daily Wire pushed the Kool-Aid and propaganda. The Russian military, this piece says, is reportedly working on developing a nuclear weapon to be deployed in space designed to wipe out entire Western satellite networks and knock out communications and military targeting systems, according to U.S. intelligence. Sick. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner, Republican from Ohio, sounded the alarm in a message he sent to members saying that the committee has, quote, identified an urgent matter with regard to a destabilizing foreign military capability that should be known by all congressional policymakers, unquote. Yes, especially before you vote on giving more money to Ukraine to defend us from booga, 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 Russia, 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 while the invaders, of course, stream across the open southern border by the battalion load. Turner said in a statement that all House members are now able to view some of the information in what's called a SCIF, folks, or Secure Compartmentalized Information Facility, about the serious national security threat. And he wants the Biden fewer to, quote, declassify all information relating to this threat. No, not the threat of a senile Cretan in the White House, of course, so that Congress, the regime, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. And you know what those actions are, don't you? Yeah. Vote yes on whatever the Senate wants to feed you. ABC News has reported that the nuclear weapon would not be deployed against targets on Earth, but is rather designed to target satellites. And a source familiar with the intelligence told the three-letter network that the development was, quote, very concerning, oot, very sensitive, and it was a big deal. Are you getting the booga-booga message yet? There is, of course, no shortage of speculation and outright scaremongering about what it might be. Hal Turner, for example, says, my layman's first guess, it could be FOBS weaponry, which stands for Fractional Orbital Bombardment System. These are space-based nukes or actual warheads that can be released at any time, orbit the Earth one or many times for months or even years under their own power, then come down anywhere on the planet with zero advance warning to the intended target. And a city could go from happy-go-lucky to vaporized in an instant. There is no defense, he said, for such weaponry. Now, at this point, i got to pause and say, wait a minute. We've been poking that bear for years now and ignoring red lines that Russia has said we might just have to nuke you for. And it's clear. There's been open source intelligence for literally years, folks, that the Russians have hypersonic weapons that the U.S., of course, 
cannot match. Other countries may have them as well, and they would be capable of striking deeper into the United States and wiping out Washington and you name it within literally 90 seconds or so, long before the U.S. could launch anything in retaliation. Furthermore, Tsar Bamba has been demonstrated, Russia's big bomb, and there are certainly credible reports that Russia has the capability of putting it into what is called an autonomous drone submarine or tsunami bomb weapon positioning one of these things off the east or west coast or both and exploding it, generating a multiple hundred foot high wall of water that would come ashore and wipe out everything along the coast, leaving a radioactive swamp in its wake. But now they're telling you, ignore all of that, continue to poke the bear and be afraid, be really afraid this time about something that we're not even going to tell you what it is. Come on. Hal Turner, of course, is among the many who note that Mike Turner is a rhino, supports the so-called aid package for Ukraine, and um, basically coming up with some new Russian threat may be the very thing to help get this abomination passed. He's not alone, as I mentioned. Grant Stinchfield puts it this way. Mike Turner sounded the alarm on the urgent national security threat, and Biden's intelligence goons quietly backed him up. Isn't that funny? The Biden Fuhrer backs the rhino while dispatching a series of leaks about the so-called threat, which appear to have come from the Pentagon, which is no coincidence. The unnamed sources are claiming Russia, Russia, Russia has created a new nuclear threat in space that could take out U.S. satellites and the GPS systems that America relies on for warfare and ultimately ignore this. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Because rest assured, folks, the real threat is already long since deployed. And furthermore, don't forget this bit of advice from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Morons. I've got morons on my team. And any doubts there, folks? Well, let's hearken back to September of 2021 to alleviate them. Last night in Kabul, the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan. The longest war in American history. And arguably the most shameful. We completed one of the biggest airlifts in history with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. A small fraction of whom were even Americans. That number is more than double what most experts thought were possible. Especially after we were stupid enough to abandon Bagram Air Force Base. No nation. No nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. The only the United States could do something so catastrophically asinine and actually expect to get away with it. The only the United States had the capacity and the will and ability to do it, and we did it today. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravery, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. And gee, folks, what do you say to that great big stinking feeded lie? Other than what about 90 retired flag-ranked officers already did. Everybody associated with this historic act of either massive stupidity or outright treason ought to turn in their resignation. From there, the senile teleprompter reader went on to unleash a string of lies that should have embarrassed even him. But since this is only a half-hour show, I'll just play a bit of the first one, and you can guess the rest. Because you've heard them before anyway. The assumption was that more than 300,000 Afghan National Security Forces that we had trained over the past two decades and equipped would be a strong adversary in their civil wars with the Taliban. That assumption that the Afghan government would be able to hold on for a period of time beyond military drawdown turned out not to be accurate. 
No, it turned out to be a bald-faced lie. And it turns out that the Daily Mail headline makes that pretty clear. We'll come back to this. But they called it Biden's lethal lie and then went into some detail as to why. One of my personal favorite lines is this one. It's a little bit of Clintonian truth. That is, if you extricate it from the rest of the great big stinking whoppers that surround it and see how it plays. As General McKenzie said, this is the way the mission was designed. Does he really mean the greatest military disaster in American history? Or is he just referring to the fact that we've managed to arm one of the nastiest terrorist groups on the planet outside of his own regime with multiple billion dollars worth of taxpayer paid armaments, helicopters, Humvees, real assault rifles that once free Americans are no longer allowed by the regime to possess and so on? Yeah, the irony drips right off of the words here. As General McKenzie said, this is the way the mission was designed. And that may be the closest to the truth this guy has ever come. This chain of whoppers, though, deserves a special mention where Biden blames Americans for actually believing him and saying that, oh, no, the Taliban will never overrun the country. Just like if you take the poke, you'll be free of COVID forever. Yeah, sure. Evidently, because they believed him, they got what they deserved. Or so he says. Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan with multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan all the way back as far as March. After we started the evacuation 17 days ago, we did initial outreach and analysis and identified around 5,000 Americans who had decided earlier to stay in Afghanistan Before, you know, we armed the Taliban to the tune of multiple billion dollars worth of Humvees, helicopters, and armaments. But now wanted to leave. Well, gee, surprise, surprise, surprise. What do you think changed their mind, you blithering, stinking, lying idiot? But now wanted to leave. Our Operation Allied Rescue ended up getting more than 5,500 Americans out. Whoa, 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 what? You just finished saying you airlifted 120,000 people out of there, but less than 5% were actually Americans? And then how many did you abandon and leave to die? Don't forget this line. We completed one of the biggest airlifts in history with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. And from there, he and the regime just keep on repeating the great big lie. Well, some of them didn't want to come. Some of them didn't want to come. Some of them, if they want to come now, and if they're still alive and haven't been executed already, or if they can make their way to a place where they won't be executed before we get them out, well, maybe we'll try to help them. Most of those who remain are dual citizens, long-time residents, but early decided to stay. Before, obviously, they realized just how badly we had screwed this thing up. The bottom line, 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. And for those remaining Americans, there is no deadline. Well, unless, you know, you're already dead or end up dead before the deadline. We remain committed to get them out if they want to come out. Notice how they keep saying that. See, if you ended up dead, I guess you didn't really want to come out bad enough. No leftist tirade, of course, would be complete without blaming Donald Trump for something, or more likely, everything. This was no exception. My predecessor, the former president, signed an agreement with the Taliban to remove U.S. troops by May the 1st, just months after I was inaugurated. 
But I don't think he had the brilliant insight that the Biden regime did, giving them Bagram Air Force Base first and following up with billions of dollars worth of military hardware, which certainly makes his next claim more than idiotic. So we're left with a simple decision. Either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan, or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. That was the choice, the real choice, between leaving or escalating. What a bunch of unmitigated bullshit. After that, he does seem to implicate all of those traitors who helped orchestrate the biggest military disaster and shameful international foreign policy incident in American history. Okay, well, so far. And remember, folks, they're still trying to destroy the entire U.S. military combined forces. The decision to end the military lift operations at Kabul airport was based on the unanimous recommendation of my civilian and military advisors. Yeah, that bunch who orchestrated this stinking mess. The Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and all the service chiefs. And if any one of them had any integrity, they'd have resigned already. And then this shameless traitor goes on to say that the safest way to get the remaining Americans out was by non-military means. But this was after they had already shut down attempts by non-military means. In other words, private individuals with jets trying to get Americans out that way, as Glenn Beck reported. And they aren't about to talk about now. All right, well, that's about enough of him. But first, listen to this one. Ponder the irony if you replace the word Afghanistan with formerly free United States of America and see how well it rings true. U.S. patriots, he should have said, and those who had a history for over 200 years of fighting and, if necessary, dying to protect their God-given rights, did not hold on as long as anyone expected. We were ready when they and the people of Afghanistan watched their own government collapse and the president flee amid the corruption and malfeasance, handing over the country to their enemy, the Taliban. And the Bolsheviks, the communists, the woke leftists, the deep state, and of course their communist Chinese party buddies as well. And significantly increasing the risk to U.S. personnel and our allies. And those risks, folks, are just now really getting rolling. And here we are. Two and a half years later, the senility is more evident than ever, and we've seen just exactly how true that was. My question, though, today, do you still trust them now or not? And may Yahuwah bless you and yours.